Well, now that Mr. Sacrimony is guilty, do you, you think I can maybe take him off my route? What the fuck did you just say, Sal? I don't know. The fucking lawnmower man just said John was guilty, T. He pled guilty, Sal, okay? Yeah, okay. With this government, no fucking trial. Maybe they uh, stuck tasers on his balls and beat him mercilessly with a rubber hose. You ever think of that? No, but of course it makes sense. Don't be smirched a man, Sal. That's the last, that, ah, the last. That's the worst thing you could do is besmirch someone, right, Tony? Welcome, my friends, to Cut to Black, a Soprano sit-down. My name is Jim Scampoli. I've seen every single episode of The Sopranos. My name is Jacob Burrows, and I've seen 75 episodes of The Sopranos. Uh, we're, in, uh, we're in the final stretch now in some ways, and I'm uh, interested to see where it goes. I will say... Not my favorite episodes, uh, or episode, rather. Uh, but let's get into it. Uh, who put this one together, Jim? This one was written by Matthew Weiner, the creator of Mad Men, and directed by Steve Schill. Uh, this is the only episode of The Sopranos that Steve Schill directed. I assume they sent him... I mean, I know he was the director, but I'm sure he had a hand in the uh, editing. I assume they sent him packing because of the train going into the uh, tunnel, uh, edit that he did in this episode. Uh, that was bad, yeah. <laughs> that was really bad. Yeah, I mean, he's he's looking at his IMDb. He is a TV mainstay. He's directed episodes of, like, almost every show I've ever heard of. He directed a bunch of episodes of Dexter, an episode of Shameless. Uh, I think he did an episode of Deadwood, which I've never seen. Uh, mm. Supergirl, Krypton, Training Day... Most recently, The Enemy Within, whatever that is. Anyways, yeah, this is the only episode of Sopranos. Yeah, what have you done for me lately, Steve Schill? Yeah. Uh, that's what I want to know. Quite a show, I mean, if you it's ask not me. A... <laughs> yeah. I'm not, uh, I, I don't want to be too negative, but like the, the how the whole thing with Vito plays out here, it feels like not the most enlightened and great way for this to go, but hey, here we still are. It's not that bad, and there's a lot of interesting stuff going on in this episode still. Should we just get into it from beginning to end or anything you want to say overall? Well, I do. Um, I think there are some actually really nice touches uh, to Vito's nature, if you will, in this mm -hmm. episode. Um, like like when he's working, like I, I that's so I think that's so perfect. Uh, what, what he's just like, you know, savor it. Because that's this episode, right? Am I, am I fucking? Yeah. Okay. Here he's like, you know, don't look at your watch yet. Oh, it's almost, you know, it's almost noon, almost lunchtime. I mean, I feel like as a working person, we've all been there. But never mind coming from, you know, the life of a, uh, of a, of a mafia man, a Don. Well, maybe not quite a Don, but a mafia man, if you will. Uh, yeah. it, it's not easy. But anyways, yeah, we'll get into it. We'll just get into the episode first here. Uh, I think we start with, once again, Salvitro. I love Salvitro. Uh, it is yeah. one of my favorite running uh, gags here because I think it, it also works because if we're getting into like uh, Vito trying to become just a civilian, you know, you got to be this guy now. You got to be this guy that gets fucking shit on by these awful people. Yeah, and I thought at first it was an interesting choice to start with like this scene doesn't seem to mean anything, but the way it comes back around later, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Because uh, first you're just like, what? Because <laughs> I thought he, he would just be like a joke. This character is in the background all the time, <laughs> kind of reminding you. And that's kind of what he's been and what he still is. But it's sort of like you said, it illustrates the the difference between the two ways of life um, in, a, in a way beyond the beyond this just the joke there um but yeah he sort of asks if he can uh, get out of uh get out of jail free unlike uh unlike the lawn uh he's cutting for so um yeah he uh he doesn't he doesn't get a free pass not at any point through the episode except the very end well because especially because johnny sack's lawn i mean he's got a huge lawn he's got uh, and, mm. and he's doing it all in the arm and then i think tony calls him a selfish prick here <laughs> you know you're a selfish yeah. prick sal uh we also this is the first time this season we get to see tony walking down to get the paper uh, the the traditional mainstay of uh, every Sopranos season. So, you know, I'm marking out for that. I'm all fanboying like, yeah, Tony's getting the paper. This is great. Uh, and then, yeah, Sal gets Sal's trying to 
at least not do Johnny Saxon. How long, how long do I have to do that on the arm? And he and Tony has to try to make him feel bad, like with all this stuff he's dealing with, you know, and his wife, and he need he probably needs you now more than ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Ginny needs you more than ever as yeah. well. So this is a big Johnny Sax episode. Um, we move on to him and his lawyer discussing what's going on, and the lawyer sort of raises the idea of cooperating, and Johnny's like. You know, I don't want to hear that shit. And his lawyer's like, good, because I don't represent a snitch. But then the guy, Johnny's like, yeah, because your practice would go under. And I'm yeah. like, I don't understand any of this, but I kind of do. Uh, how do you read all this? Yeah, yeah, I think it is. Cause I was going to ask you the same thing as far as like, so do you think he was testing him here when he's asking, like giving him the offer to flip? Uh, like whether it be to get the word out to the other guys or is he legitimately saying you should try this? I guess what jo I think Johnny does put the exclamation point on it. If he is a mob lawyer, uh, it would be a test. And if, if, if whatever reason Johnny sack was like, you know what? Yeah. I want to take a deal. He would have to like drop him as a client immediately. Um, yeah, I kind of guessed, I felt like when he was like, I don't represent a snitch that felt so fake to me. Uh, like he doesn't really care, so maybe he'd do the deal anyway just to get the cash. This like, is true. Word. Like because he'd sort of talk his way out of it. I feel it. Is, yeah. It. I mean, but it is like it. Like what Johnny says does make sense because I mean, as we've seen in the past, like we're we're getting pretty familiar with like Tony's lawyer. We saw him a lot, and mm -hmm. you'd have to imagine if that guy was also representing a couple other capos or something, and then he was representing a guy that flipped like. I don't know. No one would do business with him anymore. So I think yeah. it would be a legit thing. And what is what does Johnny say? Like, that's like you being a Nazi, like your people becoming a Nazi or something like that. Uh, so I don't know. I, I do you buy whether it be we buy the lawyers motivations or not. Uh, do you do you think that maybe there'd be a part of Johnny Sack that would flip for his family or is he just that down for the cause? Well, apparently, whatever he ends up doing is almost as bad. Yes. Um, the yeah. fact that he takes a deal and doesn't fight it like a man uh, is apparently bad enough because <laughs> he has to stand there and admit that this thing exists, which we're not supposed to do. Um, so given that the lawyer is pushing for that and trying to get as good a deal there as possible, I still think that if uh, he got a deal where they actually he was actually a snitch, I feel like that lawyer would probably, like... The, the blame wouldn't fall on the lawyer. They'd all yeah. talk about how Johnny Sack was a piece of shit. That's true. Um, so that's my guess anyway. But um, but yeah, I, what was your question again? Well, it was just more so like, um, yeah, no, I guess I, I'm not even going to, like I was just saying, like, is there a part of Johnny Sack that would flip? But I guess no, Johnny right. Johnny's too down for the cause. He knows it's not worth it. He he may not. I take don't know. His... I, my 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 respect for him has fallen greatly. <laughs> yeah, uh, as a though, man, Jim, <laughs> as a man. <laughs> so I'm not sure what he'd do. <laughs> yeah, because he ends up doing an allocution, and yeah, I guess that's bad news. It is kind of interesting how that plays out, but I mean, we'll get to it. Because um, then, what do we have after this? We have Janice. I think Janice is at Satrielli's. She's trying to get her pork loin, but apparently Tony's giving it to Carmela. And she had it on special order. Uh, Tony's reading a porno mag, and he gets a little self-conscious. He hides it uh, under a clipboard. <laughs> when <laughs> when Janice comes in, he says something about it, like, "Yeah, oh, I never heard a knocking." Uh, because as we know, Tony's a horn dog again uh, after oh, yeah. the <laughs> after the you know re recovery from his operation. And this is where we start getting into some of the the going-ons of this episode, like Tony's relationship with both Janice and Bobby and how he kind of enjoys fucking with them. Like, it's something yeah. he gets, like, he gets real joy from. Yeah, uh, we do get to see some psychology at play again here in uh, in this episode. It feels like it's been a fair while since we saw any of that. And it all is set up great in this scene because, like, Janice thinks that Tony's blaming them for him getting shot. And he says that's not the case. But as we sort of understand, as we've seen as well, um, he just enjoys fucking with 
Bobby and with Janice, just in general, they're even before they were together. Yeah, I I, I just keep thinking of Bobby dressed up as Santa uh, yeah. <laughs> and all of that stuff um, as well. And he was ba- he was basically introduced like a fat joke uh, when Junior was put away. He was coming in as like the guy. Uh, but I will say, I think. I don't know if it's this scene, but she says like to be his at at his level and not a captain. And I'm like, I just assumed he was a captain at this point. Seems like everyone's a captain these days. Well, you know? well, the Wikipedia does point out that in actually in that scene you referenced, like his first scene, that they they are technically supposed to be making him captain of Junior's crew at that point, yeah, uh, because Junior is put away or whatever. But even I guess when Junior's out on home arrest for a while, he was act he's technically the boss so i guess yeah you would think that bobby was captain but then then ralphie was captain of junior's crew and then what Vito was captain of junior's crew and now it's like carlo or something like that so yeah they i mean sopranos is completely fine with kind of changing that shit on the fly like it's not they're not very meticulously worrying about like plot stuff uh unless it's important uh, so, I mean, I'll let it fly, but yeah, I guess to, to be fair, he was technically a captain before, but now he's not. Yeah. And, uh, the railroading, uh, gets brought up as we see later, uh, very important stuff, but in general, yeah, it's just their whole relationship is, uh, is, you know, put in the spotlight here. And she says that we deserve more. And Tony says, Maybe that's true, but no matter how much I gave you, you'd still be here complaining, yep. which is such a dick thing to say, and also true. And uh, she says, there's nothing holding us together but DNA. Yeah, she's like an old woman with a with a ham under her arm, like whining that she doesn't have any bread. Huh? <laughs> she doesn't even have the ham. Carmela has the ham. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, um, then I think we have Vito. And, and like, I, I like this because... I mean, I guess we've talked about this a bit. Like, this season in general has been about trying to escape and not just whether it be your literal place in the world, but I guess your nature and who you are. And, you know, Vito's been living in this idealized New England uh, small town where, you know, everyone knows everyone and you have the nice bed and breakfast and he kind of has this budding relationship with uh, Jim, a.k.a. Johnny Cakes, but he's still just drinking (laughs) at a library and gambling and calling in, like, you know, sports bets or whatever he's doing or betting on the horses or something or other. Uh, I guess we've mentioned that David Chase just said, like, people don't change or it's extremely hard to change. And we're, we are kind of seeing that here with uh, Vito. Yeah, in writing, we always talk about, like, character development and the importance of it and everything. But, like, a lot of the most captivating bits of The Sopranos are characters coming to a point where they could change and they could have something better if only they took the leap and then their own nature sort of claws them back yeah. uh, because their own stubbornness or, or whatever it is. And, and like Melfi brings up, we've been doing this therapy thing for years and like still going over the same shit. And Vito is here, like you said, drinking in the library because that's the the, uh, the New England version of the Bing, I guess. <laughs> and he's just sort of stuck there. And Johnny Cakes asks, is this like... Uh, oh, yeah, are you even a sports writer? And he kind of opens up, but kind of not. And I don't know. I feel it's such a halfway situation they're in where he could take sort of a leap here, but he doesn't. And Johnny Cakes probably doesn't push enough here either. He just kind of, they're kind of talking past each other. And he's is like, oh, I'll get you a job in construction, right? Because you know that. And that's not really the solution. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he. I guess he technically worked construction but he didn't like work construction um i mean i so yeah we'll see how that works out for for good old Vito. um and then what we have uh, i think is uh Ginny's birthday uh yeah. oh no yeah they 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 throw in a dig at sal here they like surprise her uh at her house like all the girls show up and it's for her 50th birthday and then they look at sal like hi sal and you know he's fucking breaking his back doing work for free and they're like oh he's such a mope yeah, he's such a mope <laughs> yeah 
Yeah. Uh, and, like, they come in, like, stop blubbering, it's your birthday. They're, like, there to cheer up, but, like, they're clearly just there one day of the year, it feels like, you yeah. know? Um, but, yeah, they get to have a little chat there, um, and <laughs> basically Janice gets to scope out the joint. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, what else is going on? We we see... And Carmela yeah. still kind of covets the Angie Bump and Cyril uh, life oh, yeah. because, you know, she's yeah. all business. So all the all the other hens are in the um, living room eating hors d'oeuvres and gossiping, but she's, you know, on the phone being a boss, being a boss bitch, yeah. if you will. Uh, and Carmela's still, you know, the spec house, this has been a running thing. It's, it is almost like grading... But it also does make complete sense. There's all this danger going around uh, with Tony, and she wants to feel uh, safe and stable, and she still doesn't have that. Yeah, and then we get the worst edit in Sopranos uh, ever, (laughs) where um, he comes home, Beto, from a long day of work, and they mentioned earlier, like, I even asked you to move in. I guess he did move in. Like, I didn't quite follow, but, yeah, his stuff's there later and and so on. Yeah, I didn't even pick yeah. that up. Yeah. He doesn't have to deal with the boring breakfasts anymore. But more importantly, uh, we get the edit of the train. It's so it feels like a standard like cut to a curtain, windows fluttering, but like worse. It feels like a, a Hitchcock thing and not like in a good way. Not like in as a reference back to film history. More like a, a weird joke. <laughs> I was going to say, I mean, I guess it's kind of funny just as a goof. And it's almost kind of like, well, I mean... Bobby does have these trains. We have this opportunity here. How can we pass it up? <laughs> but it is kind of like, yeah, it's eye rolly. But it is fun if, you know, I, I, I do like to believe they're in on the joke. Like, they understand that it's ridiculous. But, you know, hey, uh, we have Bobby working on his trains. He's got his hat on, which I, I think I remember that really annoyed Tony, right? He didn't like that he wore yeah. his hat. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he didn't like that. <laughs> And, you know, we're seeing some kind of classic family dynamics as your little kid starts to get old. Uh, your, you know, you being a, a nerdy dad, especially with your train set, uh, is even more amplified. And, I mean, I'd like to imagine that it probably, his passion for it probably was built out of, like, spending time with his son when his son was younger and thought it was cool. And now it's like, yeah. of course, his son's a teenager, or he's older, and it's not cool anymore, but you're still holding on to, oh, remember it was so fun <laughs> building this with my son who doesn't want anything to do with me anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so speaking of people who don't like to play with toys anymore, um, we have the spec house coming up in the next scene here where Carmilla, again, you know, um, brings it up with Tony. And uh, Tony has done something about it, I guess, because the inspector uh, is a piece of work. I'm assuming this is the same inspector who saw the house, who actually yeah. seemed kind of like he's by the books, so it makes sense. Well, he says he'll get sill on it. But I think what we find out later on is Tony's actually lying here because he does All tell right. sill like later on he's like he's like, yeah, I completely forgot. So can you go and like talk to him? So he, I, I don't think he even sent Carlo or anyone initially. All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, but yeah, so in the next one, he does bring it up with Sill, like you said, gives him a name. I think Sill might feel like this is a little sort of be beneath him in a way, but like, hey, in a way, it's like back to your roots. I feel like it should be like a cop who's riding the desk all day, finally gets the chance to go out there and bust some perps. Sill gets to go out there and talk to this building inspector, but uh, alas, it is not to be. Well, and also... We finally solve the mystery of like who hangs up the porno posters in the back room of the thing, mm. and yeah. you know, Sill is very. He wants to make sure it's level. It's you know, it's it's nice and straight. It's up on the wall properly. Uh, because I was like, did they get a decorator in there? Do they have like a gopher that they tell to put the posters up? Is it a promotional thing? No, Sill just likes to keep things uh, nice and you know on theme with the Bing. Uh, then we have Ginny's brother. Uh, shows up what he he's the guy i mean i guess yeah he, they reference that he what sells glasses or something because he brings yeah. them a gift and but i guess they just I, branched out into pens oh that's right it's so weird because to me i'm like uh is this a trick is there a microphone in that but that's like a breaking <laughs> bad thing you know what i mean or i mean i guess sopranos yeah. technically did that with the whole 
lamp and all that. But uh, I'm like, what's going on here? Who is this guy? What's he doing? Uh, oh, yeah. That didn't even enter my head. I was just like, <laughs> he's trying to impress him with a fancy pen. And Tony's like, oh, is this pen? Who gives a shit? Yeah. Um, because, uh, yeah, anyway, this guy is here to bring up something that's only for Tony's ears. He has some sort of construction I, don't, I, I didn't really follow what it is, to be honest, but it's something down in Nolens. And, uh, you know, Johnny wants Tony to go down there and liquidate these assets. And, you know, Phil Leotardo doesn't need to know about it. Yeah, I mean, it is like going back to, you know, the time frame when this aired. It's, you know, fairly post-Katrina. So they are kind of making a statement on how it's another thing they're exploiting for money. And I guess... Uh, yeah, I, the specifics are hard to gauge, but something new. Yeah, Johnny has helped this business, and but now it's like that land is worth more technically or something like that and could even be worth more down the line. But to, uh, Johnny's needing to, you know, get that, get some cash stowed away because they're trying to take it all away from him. Um, yep. And yeah, it is, it is weird. I guess it makes sense that he'd go to Tony because, you know, his... Johnny's crew already is, you know, as we know, lost a lot of respect for him as a man. Um, it's plummeted. So, you know, they would probably do it, but take even more or just do it and take all the money. Like there's, and in, Tony's like his last little lifeline. And even to Tony, it's just kind of an annoyance. Well, it's because Tony did this one thing. What was it that Phil asked, uh, sorry, Johnny asked for at the wedding uh, oh, yeah, he asked him to kill Rusty. I even forgot. Yeah, oh, yeah, he had him to kill Rusty. Yeah. So basically, because Tony did that, Tony and Johnny are, like, best friends in Johnny's mind, and Tony just did it, like, again, it was kind of an annoyance. But now he's got this happening, and uh, meanwhile, we have Phil with the vitamins. Sorry, vitamins. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> um yeah we got a comment on that yeah that's how we say it this side of the pond deal with it yeah the vitamins um, yeah the vitamins um so it's a whole it's a whole thing where tony's seeing how new york is basically coming apart a little bit because johnny doesn't have his people on the outside which which is basically the nail in the coffin at the end of the episode when he sort of does his allocution and so on uh but in practice um yeah johnny's not the big guy anymore and then it's like why should I even do this? But anyway, we get more into that later. Yeah, and especially like with the history with with uh, Tony and Johnny Sack. I mean, we saw him in the beginning. They were, you know, uh, tight pals. And then they had a lot of shakeups where Johnny was going to rain a shitstorm on the Soprano family like you'd never seen. And then when he didn't yeah. respect him, like he didn't want to have meetings like this anymore. But now Tony is kind of like his his last lifeline. Uh, then we have, yeah, um, Vito doing kind of the work of a Salvitro, but he can't yeah. he can't quite handle it. I think, what, he's, he's doing some work, and then he's just sleeping in a barn or something. <laughs> he's not sleeping. He's resting his yeah. hips. He's supposed to have surgery, Jim. I do like that he always has a lie ready, like for everything. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's, he's always got just a, a good lie. I mean, it seems pleasable, uh, plausible enough, so I'll give it to him. Yep. Um, Tony comes home and there's not dinner on the table. Um, and I guess this happens repeatedly enough for him to cancel the whole appointment that Syl has. Basically, he's just annoyed. Like, like he brings up, I think, I think it's the very next scene, but like, I like for her to have these little projects, makes her happy and everything. As long as it doesn't annoy me is what but, is Melfi's conclusion. Yeah. He's, but he's reading it wrong because, or I, I would imagine Carm's playing the card of like, take care of this for me and then I'll pick I'll do my end but I feel like he's reading it wrong he's going to make it worse but as we know to Tony Soprano it might be you know 2006 outside that window but it's 1955 in that kitchen so there better be fucking dinner ready when he gets home and he's not talking sandwiches in a bag are you serious uh and yeah because Carm's getting ready for an interview with a contractor for the spec house uh I don't know if he had already told her or maybe he tells her after, like where he's like, just maybe just sell it, get thirty percent on your investments. Like he's basically saying, like let's, let's just let it go. Um, but you know, Carmilla does not want to let it go. He does mention that Carmilla's father uh, built their yes. house. Yes. Okay, that's right. Yeah. 
I don't remember from before, but like that's funny because it means their house is about to collapse because um, <laughs> apparently he doesn't use the right timber. <laughs> but you know, get um, old Gus on the line; he'll straighten this out. Like, who? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, so, like I said, we, we get to Melfi here um, again. And I will be honest, these uh, therapy scenes have fe- felt a little bit like padding in this season. Um, yeah. There hasn't been like that much substance added there. Um, and it kind of starts out that way. But I think this is kind of a, a longish scene where they get into multiple topics. They get into uh, Janice and how... Um, and and uh, AJ... And how, or maybe that's later. I, I could be getting things confused here. Um, I think, yeah, but, he, he gets into, yeah, Carmilla and her projects, and then he starts talking about Janice. And yeah, I love it when I can shit on her and her husband. And he's like, kind of even, he's like, he's even curious. He's like, why do I like that? And yeah. they start getting into a little bit about how, you know, a big thing always that Tony's had with Janice, I mean, even from when they introduced the character, is how she left, and he always felt that he was stuck with Livia, and, you know, she got to go off on her own, uh, and then he gets into how she tape-recorded a fight that he had with Barb and kept threatening to, you know, play it for their parents and would hold it over his head. So it is like, you know, those... It, it's It's obviously, on paper, it's petty, but... That's how we all are. There's these little things that happen in our <laughs> developing years and they just stay with you and you don't even know that you're reacting to them. Uh, and, and, you know, he's, I guess now he's getting his revenge because I, I think, he, as he says, he earned it. He stayed around and dealt with it all. So now he gets the house and he gets the, uh, you know, the money and he can decide. Yeah, and I don't think Melfi uh, touches on this until later, but he starts thinking, uh, talking about uh, sexual fixations and oh, things yeah. like that. Uh, but that's not in this scene. Though. We don't get that far because uh, Tony just says, that's not the point. I've been coming here this long. You don't understand. In our family, if you tape someone, that's extortion. Or oh, whatever. Yes. So we kind of yeah. leave it like unresolved. Yes, yeah. Uh, then I think we have Jeannie's brother trying to use code. Oh, with, it's hilarious. Uh, I love it's, this. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, because he's talking about the, you know, he actually wants 10 cups of coffee instead of seven. And then then what Johnny asks about the cake, and he's like, is that the stuff he'd sash behind the pool? He's like, no, a fucking actual cake. <laughs> it's her birthday. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Very good stuff. And yeah, so, I mean, we, we see how he's in a pressured situation because before it's been like, oh, you want, I'm being squeezed for this and that. But Tony's like, he wants 10 cups of coffee and he's just like, fuck it, whatever, done. Like, let's get, make this happen. Um, yeah, and I can't at tell. At the end of his tether. So is that, because I was thinking it was like 10,000 or something, but I guess it's what, 10%, I think that we find out later. It's like, that a actual, about right. like a percentage there. And I guess uh, going in the next scene, we have uh, Jim gets on a call for volunteer firemen. And I guess I'm kind of proven wrong because I said that Vito didn't work construction, but he does, I guess, cut these wires properly. I mean, I guess there's not much you have to do. I guess I half yeah. expected him to, in a hilarious fashion, sparks fly and he goes flying. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't put it past him. Um but yeah, so uh, uh, Johnny Cakes isn't too happy. He comes up and pushes him, but it's actually just because he's worried about him. He asked him to stay away, but he didn't. And uh, yeah, then they're all in this bar again. I assume the one bar in town with their pitcher, a beer, talking about how it's a commitment real there, you know, going out there and doing this stuff. And it's real tension here. Yeah. Uh, but Vito, you know, he ignores it. He just wants to play some darts or some poker or something. But everyone just wants to go home because they have lives. Yeah, yeah. No, back where I come from, you know, the night's just getting started. Because, yeah, he wants yeah. to just put some money on throwing darts. And, I mean, I guess you get that rush. You want to gamble. Thank God I don't uh, – thank God I'm not a fucking big gambler. I mean, I live in Vegas, and I'm not a gambler. So that's good. That's a good thing. I hate well, losing too him. much. I lose like yeah. five bucks. I'm like, fuck, that sucks. <laughs> yeah. How about losing uh, several grand as Bobby does in the next scene here uh, where he picks up some cash and uh, from a bookie or what have you, I think, uh, comes out and gets beaten up and the money's lifted. And uh, yeah, three G's. And yeah, they've got the, got the gun on him. They don't shoot him, but they shoot the 
the asphalt and it sort of ricochets maybe into his eye or something so it all all turns out and i was genuinely like bobby could die here like yes. this could be such a like weird way to just kill bobby and and i have to commend the sopranos for being able to like any character even with everything i know at this point it still feels like there's a level of danger when they build a scene like that i'm like yeah he could get shot in the head uh but he doesn't quite but it's still not great well especially because you know the sopranos would do it in a non i mean it's theatrical but it's not like as dramatic as say like you know janice or whatever i mean because we saw janice back in the day shoot richie and that felt like a weird misdirect they do weird misdirects like that where yeah some random kids that we've never seen before (laughs) jump them and shoot them so yeah there's definitely some danger there uh and i mean kind of proving janice's point a bit where you know poor bobby i mean bobby's done nothing but like good stuff for he's kind of bumbling a bit and he's an easy foil for Tony, but he's been nothing but nice to Tony and, and typically does whatever he's asked. So, you, you know, it's hard not to feel sorry for him. He's still kind of uh, doing the grunt work. Although I guess, I don't know, I guess Paulie still does collections and stuff like that, but you would think he'd have someone else do it. And I think Tony makes a bunch of comments about how, like, you know, he should know better in that neighborhood. Not even the cops go there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so... Tony is, I guess, in New Orleans uh, in the next one, talking to these two brothers, or um, one of them married the other one's sister, which feels, like, significant. Uh, These characters are introduced like they're going to come back, and uh, I don't know if they will or if they're just sort of there to to sort of give a bit of three-dimensionality to the whole business and how he... You know, Johnny floated them for the cash, and now it's worth more, and one of the brothers doesn't want to sell, and the other one does, and it's, I guess it's all just there to make it seem like kind of a hassle for Tony, or make it seem like it could be a worthy investment if you hold on to it for longer, maybe. It's interesting because it does, it feels like these characters are, they have a whole other movie going on. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, you'd ca- you'd follow the bumbling brother and brothers-in-law, as they're dealing with their past catching up to them with their dealings with the mob and all this stuff. And it, it reminds me, like, Sopranos is pretty good at that. Like, remember those, that, like, family of, like, hitmen that were all, like, quirky and, you know, one of them was blind and they had the yeah. picture and it felt like, oh, no, like, they're going to kill Tony. They're not going to kill the other. I forget even if it was John. I think maybe it was Johnny. I forget who it was that they hired him for. Uh, yeah. And, I, you know, never saw them again. Um <laughs> But it does. It, I, yeah. I mean, it is kind of nice little touches that, like you said, it does feel important. And I honestly don't remember. Maybe we do see them again. But yeah, it does at least get the point across. This is kind of an annoying hassle. And they they kind of it's they're showing some disrespect, like the guy's making comments like, oh, like this guy's never done this a million times, you know, squeezing people out of their money, stuff like that. And he just gets up and leaves to show that, you know, he doesn't want to sell. Uh, the other dude's kind of fine with it. He wants to get a boat. Uh, yeah <laughs> yeah um but we'll leave them for the moment and back back at home um Polly walnuts gives a call to tony to tell him about bobby uh but he already knows uh the most important part of this scene of course is that we find out that Polly walnuts has cancer yeah. and i just love how this plays out i feel like it's an expression of something i think most of us have felt in our lives uh, in our lives where um, the worry about something before it happens is kind of worse because he's kind of in a panic earlier and he's like f- full of conflicting emotions and he doesn't know what to do when he doesn't know the results. Now that he knows that it's cancer, he's calm throughout the whole phone call. Like he's just dealing with it. Once yeah. you know what it is, you can deal with it. But when you don't know, you're just worried and panicking. And that's what Tony's been saying all along. You get it in your head and you worry about things and you're like, stop it. Don't worry about it until it's real. But now it is real. And Tony's actually taken aback. He's like, oh shit, one of the many things you've uh, worried about needlessly was actually a real thing. And it's like, and he's like uh, asking about the hair. Uh, he's going to yeah. lose the hair. And he's like, oh, who knows? Like he's, he, he's not relaxed about it, but he's more, you know, taking a more philosophical approach because I feel like that's what we're able to do as humans. Once we know what, to, what something is and how to face it. Well, plus the, the great way that they do it is that, you know, we left that like episodes ago. 
And then, I mean, we didn't see when he initially got the news and maybe some of the initial like reactions to it. It kind of just gets like, I just assumed, oh, okay, you know, Paul, like, I guess like Tony, you just assume like, oh, that's something he was freaking out about. Everything worked out. But now it's kind of like, no, it, it, like life has been happening outside of what we saw. And yeah. I mean, it is kind of like a, like one of the great things about the Sopranos is that they do stuff like that, where it just kind of gets dropped in your lap. Like they, they don't like have that scene where he has to, you know, sit down and look at a doctor's expression and then react to it and whatever. And I think, I think one of the reasons is exactly what you just said is that it does get to, we get to already see Polly in this moment of like kind of dealing with it because what else are you going to do? Yeah. And I like that, like you said, it, it implies things are happening off screen because it's literally only because Tony asks, uh, like, hey, whatever happened with that thing? Like, <laughs> yeah. like we might. Like, wait, didn't he? Wasn't he supposed to have cancer? And he's like, yeah, I have cancer. It's like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, we wouldn't even have found out if Tony didn't absentmindedly remember this because they were talking about doctors talking about Bobby and his eye or whatever. Um, so next scene, we have Tony again uh, showing up for work. The whole crew's there, and they're kind of talking about how Bobby's stupid. Uh, or, well, it's more uh, Tony's t- being a bit harsh. Yeah, Tony's kind of setting that tone. And, I mean, Paulie's yeah. doing the kiss-ass thing because he repeats what Tony told, told him on the phone. Like, you know, because the yeah. cops don't even go out there. Because yeah. I think even, like, Carlo and Syl are kind of like, you know, hey, man, like... <laughs> He could have died because <laughs> I yeah. think what I think they kind of it, what he says here, because he tosses Tony an envelope. So like Bobby still like scrounged the money up together, even though it got stolen. Like he still made sure I assume just taking it out of his own cut to make yeah. it right. So again, like showing what a good guy Bobby is. But as Tony said, for he for whatever reason, he really loves shitting on him. And this is just kind of another thing like, ah, this fucking guy, of course, he gets shot and, and jumped. Yeah, and like he tells Syl, don't give me that look. <laughs> Syl doesn't say anything, but he kind of knows he's being an asshole. Uh, Tony is. So um, next we have uh, Johnny's lawyer uh, talking to the opposing counsel. I suppose I didn't really understand this scene at all when I first saw it. It's only like yeah. in the end you sort of put it together. Uh, did you follow it? Yeah, yeah, a bit because they're just trying to negotiate this this deal. I guess this plea deal. And I didn't realize that, um, I mean, I guess it makes sense. I just never thought about it. Like the way they, because in the beginning, they're like adding up all the assets. And I guess since he is being brought to trial, like it's murder, like conspiracy to murder, but also I guess conspiracy in general, meaning like since he is involved in crime, everything he owns is in question and they're just going to take it all. Uh, And it's just negotiating what can be left over uh and maybe the time and what he's trying to get 10 years instead of 15 or something and they want like 90 percent of what he had which i guess is all like they're coming off as the bad guys but you know to be fair none of it none of what he owns is legitimate so it does make sense that they're going to take it all yeah and i think i i just didn't follow it because i didn't know slash remember that that was the opposing counsel so i'm like who is he talking to because like, they're talking, they're like making calculations like, we'll go for 240 months or whatever. And I, I can't tell if that's how long the trial is going to run or for how long. Like, yeah, I, I just didn't follow it really. But obviously, they're striking some sort of, uh, not a, like, he's not going to cooperate, but they'll, they'd rather do a deal, a plea deal, I guess, uh, is what you'd call it. Yeah. Um, which is what they end up cooking up. Which is just, I mean, I guess that's just the way of the, the system here um i've ranted about this on my on my own show jim and them how it's always just take a plea deal because they just want to scare you with what could happen in trial and i guess he is yeah. guilty so it is <laughs> it is it is very likely that it probably would be more i guess that's why he does end up taking it but before we get that far um i i really like this scene of tony like witnessing firsthand the domestic life of bobby and janice and and they actually show Janice in kind of a good light here where she's she's not Livia, really. Like, she's being firm with Bobby Jr. and stuff, but I don't think in, like, a bad way. Uh, 
like she has kind of put him on blast a bit, but just more, I, I did read it as just kind of parental discipline. And Tony, like, has to even see how, you know, one of his recliners doesn't work, but Bobby's even ready to switch with him and let him sit in the good recliner. And, you know, she's bringing him beer and they're going to have a Sunday dinner. And it's like, why do you hate these people, <laughs> Tony? Why do you want them to suffer? <laughs> yeah, I think especially comparing her to Livia, I think that's um, that's the point of the scene because we get to see Tony watching all of it and reacting to all of it and go like, huh. Like, yeah. Because in his head, he's never really been there. He's had both of them around and the whole family around. There was the whole carousel incident, of course. But like Janice is usually uh, annoying him, like sometimes rightly and sometimes not. Um, and he, I mean, Sacre Bleu, where is me, Mama? It comes to mind. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, he obviously is just, um, he, he loves lashing out at her and him by extension. And this is, like you said, it's just a view of like, she's actually not Livia. And he sort of projected Livia onto her or even like just blamed her for leaving, not necessarily see Livia there, but now actually getting to see, oh, they're actually like functioning and they're they're doing okay. And like, why am I an asshole all the time? Because that is, um, that is the next scene back with Melfi. He brings it up immediately how his brother-in-law which I feel like he wouldn't necessarily even refer to him as that if we're thinking about how, how people talk, where he might say, like, I don't know, the man who married my sister or whatever. But he says, my brother-in-law got shot and whatever. Um, and that leads us into the, the second big therapy scene uh, of the episode where he brings it up immediately, um, how his brother-in-law had this accident. And he says that... Janice just attracts drama and lives on misery. And Melfi asks if that reminds him of anyone. <laughs> kind of annoys him, drawing the parallel. That's the obvious one from the earlier scene. Yeah. And um, brings it over into like uh, more like what happened between the past and now. Because he starts saying that... You know, she she used to have something and like she's lost something. She squandered herself, I think, is is his sort of view of it. Yeah. And then what like the guys used to buy him ice cream and stuff because they wanted to get closer to Janice. And now it, she mentions like uh, how he describes her as built and, you know, attractive or whatever. And this is, you know, first it's my mother. Now I want to fuck my sister. And yeah. uh, she talks about how it's just it's a normal, natural thing. And yeah, okay, this is when it gets into the, you know, she took off, but I stayed and I did what I was told and how he did kind of he earned he earned his place. Yeah. And he inherited his mother. Um, she laughed at all this shit. And basically the the ending line where he like it feels like the only bit where he's genuinely angry and speaking genuinely comparing it to like how he he you know usually is in therapy or usually is in life in general sort of playing some sort of role but he's like struck upon something there within him when he, he says that i got the scars so it's mine he doesn't <laughs> she doesn't get to have her piece of this of this thing because she ran away from it and she didn't see dad chop someone's finger off and, and she didn't have to deal with my mother for so many years and all this is, is all on me and so no one else gets it you don't get to just come back and have it yes yeah uh then we have and a Melfi's nice... just nodding i just want to mention the last <laughs> shot there Melfi just nodding for a long time and i'm like yeah i am also nodding Melfi. uh then we have a nice dinner Vito's making a, a nice dinner for johnny cakes here and you know it's sweet he's given a uh you know a piece of his home um and you know uh, you got to wait for that when he wants to get all sexy uh and i think this is where the, what they say i love you to each other and i love you johnny cakes that was a classic uh you know line slash meme i guess from the sopranos where everyone would mock it <laughs> yeah i can imagine it is absurd <laughs> It is absurd. And um, I mean, this is uh, Vito trying to create a sort of uh, mix of the things he's missing with his new life, because obviously there are things he loves in this new life, like Johnny Cakes. Um, but there's also things he can't let go of from his old life. So this is him bringing some of his old life back because uh, it feels like 
Jim or Johnny Cakes is the one doing the cooking in the relationship. I mean, he's the one who works in the diner. He makes the famous cakes. Um, but this is Vito sort of, um, yeah, uh, bringing, bringing some of that uh, homegrown flavor into it. And it's a great moment, but uh, it's not enough. Yeah, yeah. Because then we have, I was, I was mentioning it earlier, his uh, uh, work scene. And, you know, I feel like, uh, anyone working a nine to five, I mean, whether it be, of course, construction, but even just the cubicle, whatever it is, you kind of have those moments like, all right, you know, day's gotta be almost over Jesus Christ. But, uh, let's, let's savor it. I don't want to look at the clock yet. It's gotta, it has to have been like two hours into my shift. And then what, I don't think it's even like uh 10 AM yet or something <laughs> when he looks yeah. at his, uh, when he looks at his watch. Yeah, and like I agree, it is it is a great um, it's a great expression of that a feeling that everyone's definitely had, but I I don't necessarily feel it fits into the Sopranos that well. <laughs> like when the fuck have we ever had voiceover? Uh, let alone voiceover like this. We've had like kind of Tony talking in therapy, and we get to see some things, but like this is such a a different and comedic scene and we know where it's going the whole way through as well so i, I just kind of felt like in the same way that he's traveled to a different world in new england he's also like in a different tv show where different rules apparently apply because we get a voiceover now this is true yeah this is true but i i do i feel like it's kind of worth it because i think it just it says all that needs to be said it just he's 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 not going to be able to do this I mean, he could if he actually tried, but I mean, what we know about this character, he's not going to be able to do it. And then we have Jim waking up and all Vito's stuff's gone and he's uh, flown the coop. You know, it's just not it's just not enough for him. Yeah. And the thing is, as well, I feel like he could have like, I don't know, I, I guess he's going back home and I don't feel like that's going to work out. Yeah. But I feel like he he could have gone anywhere in the world, too. If he wasn't happy with this, he could like start doing crimes on his own or whatever but no i guess what he misses is also like the family and the respect at, like he's ever gonna get that back yeah. um but yeah anyway we cut directly to him just having emptied up out his stuff and and driving off leaving the bike alone and i at this point i'm like oh i guess the bike just it was just hit both his bikes both were johnny kicks bikes that makes a lot more sense than beto affording a bike all of a sudden yeah. um but so it also, he's just it, driving off but the bike just represents that too it represents the life there he can't take it with him he's got to leave with his I, own shit yeah but i also don't think he paid for it <laughs> yeah that's true uh, i think um, another show what they would do and i almost half expected it is they would have uh, uh an episode or two of Vito corrupting this utopian town and like he's got little kids you know running numbers for him or something and you know he's taking side action outside the butcher store or the diner or whatever you know what i mean and it, yeah like that's how they would show that he can't escape his nature because he's just do yeah he's doing mafia stuff because there's no other game in town in this town uh, I'm kind of glad they didn't do that. I'll take the voiceover type, just trying to be a working man over it. But uh, I, I kind of have expected it. Well, if anyone wants a comedic version of what you just described, I think we should view it and talk about it on this podcast stream after the show. But there's uh, there's the show Lilyhammer. Um, oh, yes. Where uh, starring the guy who plays Silvio, whose name I forget. Um, but he plays, he plays someone who's gone into witness protection and ended up in a small town in Norway called Lilyhammer. And so he basically starts doing mob shit in Norway, uh, with all these country bumpkins. And, uh, yeah, I, I feel like that's exactly what you're describing <laughs> there. And it's uh, kind of hilarious. It ran for three seasons. Um, it's like one of the first Netflix shows co-produced with netflix and i guess uh, nrk the the norwegian television company um but yeah it's really good especially in connection to the sopranos because it's such a clear combination with the sopranos and i actually watched that way before i ever watched mm. this <laughs> yeah and i never i've never seen it it is incredible like it's basically he's got that role because he's silvio in the sopranos and i don't know what happens to silvio at the end of the sopranos but this is as if he went into witness protection <laughs> uh basically this is the continuation um so yeah we'll that's leave fun. that for now that's fun um yeah so then we have johnny gets his offer uh 15 years plus i mean i guess they're 
they're leaving the house and Ginny's uh, car. And I guess there's like an IRA or something she has, like some sort of investment. And he kind of, what he looks back on, it was from some job she had. That's kind of how they met. But mm-hmm. he decides he has to take he has to take it. He takes the he takes a, the the offer. But I, I mean, I guess even me when during the scene, I'm like, no, you fight it. But then again, I'm not sitting in that chair with I guess I don't know the other options are they take everything and you get like 50 years or something or life. Yeah, I was kind of unclear on like when they were talking about months and everything. I wasn't sure if. I guess if he wins, they're not going to take any of his stuff, but he'd still have to pay the lawyer's fees. And if he loses, he'd have to pay his own lawyer with what money? Because it's all going to be taken by the state. And then the state probably wants him to pay for the for their side of it as well if he loses. So, yeah, he'd definitely be fucked that way. But like you said, maybe he could win. Who knows? Um we, we also do get to see Vito on the road, and this is what I mean when I'm like, I'm not totally into all of this, because some, some of the stuff makes sense, but he's like in the car crying and drinking and yeah. driving back to New Jersey, and I'm like, it's a little little on the nose, sure. uh, but, and, and I mean, we talked about it before, but his whole relationship with Johnny Cakes and everything and how it develops, it's sort of like, you know, the handlebar mustache, the stereotypical sort of uh, archetype of... Uh, super gay man uh who's but he he is obviously like a positive character like he's a cool character um but he's just ticks so many stereotypical boxes um that it's sort of a a weird a weird vibe but anyway more i do like the scene where he uh kills someone for no reason because it kind of reminds even though in a weird way it's like now it's like this character is obviously spiraling uh but like, I, I don't know. I What did you feel about that scene where he sort of runs into a car and kills the guy? Well, I think it's also just a reminder that like, I mean, not that he's like, not that he deserves like the, what he's getting as far as for just being a gay person. But it is also this reminder that, you know, he's a piece of shit. I mean, I guess like all characters on the show for the most part is a piece of shit. Uh, but yeah, it's also, yeah, he's spiraling. He's fucking, he can't handle, uh, not being, not being a gangster, I guess. You know, that's, that's what he's good at. That's what he knows. You're going to take away what someone knows. But yeah, I guess the biggest thing to me was just that it's just a reminder of like, you could still have sympathy for this character, but also, you know, he's a terrible person. They're all, they're all terrible people. And maybe yeah, maybe he doesn't with, maybe he doesn't deserve um, he doesn't deserve to live with Johnny Cakes and have a regular life, you know, because he also does kill him in the same way that he killed uh, Richie uh, uh, Jackie Jr. Uh, because mm. he's the one that just popped, walked up behind him, shot him in the back of the head, and then drove away. Yeah, but also like it's not like he's on the run from the cops, as far as I remember. So if they called the insurance company or whatever, it would have been an annoyance and it would have been bad, but like it would have been fine, right? Or am I wrong? Uh, I mean, I guess maybe. Well, or, you know, if word is out, at oh, yeah, the very sure. least, he would get picked up. Like even if it was, say, the authorities, it would be something where I'm, I'm sure that he would get picked up and they would just try to hammer it into his head of, I guess, but you're right. They wouldn't really have anything to hold him on, hold him on that I would know of, but I guess they would try to hammer it in his head. Like, Hey, we're your best option. You know, you should talk to us because we could protect you type deal. But then you're right. It's not like Adriana where they at least could say, but if you say no, then we'll just throw you in jail. Yeah. Um, so we, I think the next scene is where, uh, Ginny's brother sort of catches up with Tony outside the Bing, and Tony gives well, sort of a counter offer. There's right? a quick thing before the crash is uh, Tony and Meadow um, in the all right in yeah, the yeah, kitchen, yeah. and she's kind of you know talking about Finn, and she's getting into her Meadow thing of like, you know, he does like what they he's staying at his friends all the time or something or other, and you know, where their relationship at. I mean, the main thing is it comes down to Tony being like, you know, he's good with this stuff. Yamada. <laughs> and then it- I like, <laughs> I like this scene does two things where it shows, um, like it sort of checks in with their relationship. Cause we haven't seen that in a while. And, and she says that like, 
they've had this year off and she's gotten to see such a selfish side of him. Um, but it also is for Tony is like the extreme version of sandwiches for dinner. It's like your mother should be here dealing with this and she's <laughs> yeah. not. Yeah. Um, so I'm not going to do the thing I said I would. <laughs> and uh, yeah. And then I mean, it gets to the point where even he like yells as she like storms away, like talk to your mother about this shit. Uh, and then going back to the crash, which you kind of already talked about, uh, we do have to throw this poor gentleman who's just in the wrong place at the wrong time. And, you know, him and his Boston accent, I guess they're showing he's driving through Massachusetts, but we do have to throw him up on the counter, the death counter, sure my guy. So now we're up to 64 right. deaths, 16 walkouts. Very good. Uh, and then I don't um, think they'll ever catch up, unfortunately. But, yeah, <laughs> but there's still, still you never, time. You never know. Maybe in the movie, maybe in the prequel, we'll have a lot of walkouts. We'll see. Um, yeah. Then to- so, yeah, Tony and Ginny's brother, and it's basically kind of like he wants to change the the negotiation because it's a, you know doesn't want to deal with it. But I guess what this is where the house kind of comes on the table because Tony is going to do something nice for Janice and Bobby here by. Helping, helping them get uh, Johnny Sack's house. So unload the house for half the price, and the house is like a million or something. So then the New Orleans thing, it says he'll knock 2% off his finder's fee and make sure the pricks sell. But that doesn't seem like a better deal, but I guess it is technically like 2% of a finder's fee. But then he does pay for the house, but not a lot. So I, I, I don't know. I guess I can assume they're getting a lot from this New Orleans deal. And this is something obviously hidden from the authorities where this is just yeah. extra money that uh, no one knows about. So it may it must even out in some way rather than dealing with the hassle of trying to sell a house. You kind of get, get two burns with one stone because, I mean, it yeah. is just Ginny alone in this giant house it's like it's definitely a hurt to your ego but it's something they don't need anyways yeah and so um like we skipped over it but tony tells Sil not to bother going to the building inspector guy and that's the next scene here he's lying in bed not even getting up and uh carmilla asks about the thing and it's an interesting dynamic we get to here because he says like yeah the guy wouldn't budge and she's like, well, how hard did you lean on the guy? And he's kind of like, what can I say? The guy said, no, like, how far do you want this to go? Which is a great question because she is asking to take advantage of the dark side. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, just assuming it will work out and Tony will work it out. But he, like, puts the question to her, like, I could kill this guy. Yeah. <laughs> do you want me to kill this guy? <laughs> yeah. Because it's kind of it's kind of connected to Janice and, like, Janice ran away and didn't deal with all of the dark shit, and yet she comes back and wants a piece of it, and Carmilla wants him to use his mob powers for her, yeah. but, like, the darkness of it, is she actually willing to do that? Are you going to tell me to go kill this guy? Because, hey, if you say that, maybe I'll do it. Uh, but obviously you don't want that. Um, so he kind of has a perfect way to get out of it. Yes, yeah. Um, and what do we have after that? It's... Uh... Oh, just Ginny being sad as, like, the house is being looked at. Like, everything's crumbling. And then we have John taking the deal and having to uh, do the allocution where he admits that he's a part of organized crime. And then we immediately cut to New York. And, you know, Phil, who already, you know, his stock in Johnny Sack, he thought it was as low as it could go. Uh, but now, as he says, you know, you don't ever admit the existence of this thing. And what does he say? He did 20 years or something like that. Uh, yeah. so he, I mean, I guess he never took a deal, you know, he went in, which and is fair, did his time. Um, yeah. And then I guess kind of words out because, uh, oh wait, Carmilla tells Tony about it. And I think Chris's car is getting repoed because, as we remember, he took advantage of the situation and bought money, bought the car off of Johnny Sack. But it wasn't a legit sale. It was technically still in his name. Uh, so that, you know, he has to deal with the with that end. And maybe he can go buy it on auction if he shows up in yeah. April. <laughs> uh, and now even Tony thinks John's a piece of shit. Him and Silvio. They're carrying their bootleg DVDs and they're like thinking like, oh, can you believe this fucking guy? 
He believed what he did. Still wants to throw acid in his face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a reference to something, right? That's the thing that happened. Am I wrong? I don't know. Yeah. I don't remember. I mean, well, I mean, there was that, there was that um, prostitute, like the tranny prostitute that Chris talked about that had acid thrown in her face. Uh, oh, no, it wasn't a tranny. But the tranny was in the script. But the one with John Favreau. And he's like, if I told you that was the hottest piece of ass, would you believe me? And it was like talking about how getting her ass thrown in her face. Remember that? Mm. Yeah. I just mean like, uh, I, I guess I guess I'm, what I'm actually thinking of, I was like, that's a real thing that happened, right? But no, I was thinking of Two-Face and like <laughs> Batman. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because it happens, it happens at like a courthouse or something, right? <laughs> Which makes me think it's a thing that happens in court. And this is how I organize my view of the world. So let's just ignore that and move on. <laughs> uh, then um, we have the yeah, Sal Vicho, some of the clips we heard at the start of the show. And it's interesting because I totally expected, like, if Janice is moving in, Janice and Bobby, that it would still be part of his route. But I guess Tony, you know, he wants to, he does appreciate them a bit more after seeing their domestic life, but he also does still like to shit on them a little bit. He's not going to provide them with free landscaping, even though he totally could. Yeah. And like Sal has been wanting this for a while, even though Sal fucks up the way he says it. Um, it's like, yeah, I guess it, it, he's smiling at the end of the scene. So, you know, it all worked <laughs> out great for Sal. <laughs> well, and they're just kind of grilling him. Like Silvio's like the lawnmower man over here. Like, well, it's, and it's awesome because. They were just shit talking Johnny Sack. And then it's that whole like, you know, I can make fun of my family, but if someone else does, you know, fuck you. Because they're just yeah. shit talking Johnny Sack. They want to throw ass in his face. But then this civilian comes in and says, like, oh, you know, and now that he's guilty, we, we don't, he's not a part of our thing, right? And they're like, can you believe this fucking guy? Do you yeah. understand that they probably tortured him? Uh, <laughs> To make this him, government, <laughs> yeah, can't. Do you understand what you're saying? And and what does he say? Like you know, don't uh, don't besmirch his name. So, uh, yeah. And speaking of family, and uh, you, I can bad talk my family. No one else. We have a family <clears throat> gathering where again Tony is still unloading this wine in the basement. Um, <laughs> yes, even more wine. Still episodes later, and Janice comes down, and it's just in a big emotional scene. And I have. I don't have exactly difficulty reading Tony here, but it's interesting that you can read, definitely read this in different ways where he's done this nice thing and Janice is there and she's kind of crying about it, but I, she's being kind of annoying. He wants to yeah. play it. Uh, what do you think is going on with Tony in this scene? I suppose the way I read it is it's like, it is Janice kind of weirdly making it about herself in a way. Mm -hmm. Like even though she's thanking Tony, she is doing it. It is almost like shades of Livia a, a bit. And maybe that's like turning Tony off a bit because even though he saw her, what, what, what seemed like a better light uh, in their own home. Now she's like, yeah, getting all emotional and I guess bringing the attention to herself. And then what Carmilla comes down is like, what's all this? And it's like, mm -hmm. oh, she's happy. Cause yeah, Tony doesn't want to engage in that he doesn't want to he doesn't want to take part in like what all whatever this is uh yeah. i mean that was kind of my read well i think uh there's definitely like a olivia like aspect of like uh when she goes like no one knows what goes on in my head oh, she's yeah. so overwhelmed and she says that line and i feel like that's when i was like olivia uh or sorry well fucking freudian slip yeah. uh janice really needs therapy and then I was like remembering, oh, she's actually been to loads of therapists and she's just not getting that good stuff. She's not getting that good therapy. Yeah. Um, and Tony is kind of, but like, yeah, it's also a reflection of himself. No one really knows what goes on in Tony's head. Um, he doesn't like he could engage with that and go like, hey, you're welcome. Like, don't get too worked up about it. Let's, you know, have yeah. a drink. He could downplay it or he could go like you know what, I've been a dick and I'm not great with emotional stuff, but there you go, here's a house to make up for it. Like, he could say any of that, but he's just like, don't worry about it, just go away already. Because it kind of, <laughs> it's almost like he regrets having done it already. Uh, um, so there's definitely still that conflict within him, even though it's like one step forward. Just like with Beto, there's always two steps back. Yeah, and he doesn't even, like, Carmela's the one that consoles her. He, does, he like, yeah. barely will look at her. He doesn't, like, move closer to even, like, pat her on the shoulder or something. Like, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty big disconnect. And I don't know, in the last look, 
as they're like walking up the stairs and we're kind of on Tony, is there maybe some regret there? Does he wish he could be the guy that does what you just said? Like, you know, hey, uh, we're family. Don't worry about it. It's what we do. Because like it seems like for a second, maybe there's a flash there. Mm. I didn't I didn't catch that. I, I saw it more as him just regretting having done it at all. But I think that's <laughs> yeah, what right. was so interesting about the scene is that both of those readings are, are totally yeah. applicable there. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I still I, I get what you're saying. Like, maybe not your favorite episode, but I think there's some there's some meat there. There certainly is. And we're about to uh, uh, get on the train ourselves towards the end of the season. And we're going to go through that tunnel and hit the next episode real soon. So make sure you leave a review of Cut to Black on Apple Podcasts. We'd much appreciate it if you haven't already. You can also check out showswhatyouknow.com for all of our other shows. Uh, for example, we just put out the latest episode of Blank Meets Blank, where Jim and I make up a new television show every episode and um in this one we make up a supernatural drama and uh, it's all based on random drawings and we just brainstorm it together and i have a blast on it so uh, i suggest checking out blank meets blank on shows what you know.com or your podcatcher of choice absolutely and you know to put the capper on that there's just one more thing left to say oh what's that jim cut to black